0: Good morning, everyone. Oh, my gosh. It is amazing what a year in solitary confinement can do to a person. So um, Rich and I both had very, very high risk to COVID. So literally a year ago, we sort of went into a total sheltering in place and didn't see many people, just the two of us. And I'll tell you, it was hard because we have um, 22 grandchildren that... and and some of them would spend, like, nights with us weekly. And those little kids, we didn't get to see them. I mean, they'd come every once in a while. We'd go all outside. Everybody had masks on and all of that. But this is the first live service with live worship we've been in in over a year. And I cannot even tell you how, how just amazing that was. So, Josh and your team, thank you so much. Um, Ron, beautiful. So... I heard you're going through the I am's of Jesus, and I was assigned, I am the door. So this morning, we're going to look at um, the text in John chapter 10, 1 through 10. So I'm going to go ahead and read the text, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Truly, truly, I say to you, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but once again, they did not understand what he was saying to them. All through the Gospels we see that. When Jesus starts teaching in parables or using metaphors, it's always after he's done. Usually it's the first, like the disciples, his closest friends say to him, what was that about, Jesus? Like, what are you even trying to say here, right? Like, they just couldn't comprehend it, because um, he was trying to teach them things that he knew their mind was already kind of closed to, because of the way that things had been taught to them. So, we'll keep going. So, Jesus, again, said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go on in and out in the pasture and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Father, creator and sustainer of all of life, we welcome your presence to continue to meet us, each one of us where we are in our own lives and collectively as a church and then beyond that as part of the, the universal body of Christ that is meeting probably around the world right now and we gather together together And we know that all of heaven rejoices when the saints gather and worship. So we come to you, Lord Jesus, High King of heaven, ruler of the entire cosmos and everything in it. We worship you. We need you desperately. And Holy Spirit, here in our midst, open our hearts. Would you come and grace every single one of us to open our hearts to have a posture that will receive your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, you continue the ministry of Jesus, and we ask that you would do that now in our midst. In this next little while, I pray for the words that I will speak, that you would light on the words that bring life, and that, Lord, the ones that don't will just be discarded. So we surrender our hearts, our thoughts. We open our ears, our spiritual eyes to see what you're doing in our midst. Amen. Amen. So in order to teach chapter 1, these 10 verses, we have to back up a little bit because this is coming off. Jesus is actually speaking to what happened in chapter 9. I don't know if you guys have gone through that. You did. So the man born blind. So Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath. Guess what? For the religious leaders of his day, that was a huge freaking no no. We don't heal people on the Sabbath. Like, that is breaking a law. We do not do this. And so, already he was in trouble. So, the man's neighbors bring. The man born blind to the Jewish religious leaders. They called Jesus a sinner. They attacked Jesus because this is so controversial, what he's doing in the, in the um, synagogue, especially on the Sabbath. So then they talked to the parents. Was this Whose fault was this? And the parents are so afraid of the religious leaders. They're like, hey, look, he's of age. Talk to him. We're out. Like, how many of you have adult children that get into trouble and you go, yeah, we're out? You talk to them, right? So the parents are like, yeah. So when they interrogated the man, this is what the man basically said. One thing I do know is I was blind, and now I see. He acknowledges Jesus is the Christ, and for that, he got thrown out of the church. They cast him out of the synagogue because he said, Jesus broke one of your laws, and I have recognized that the power and authority that comes out of him is he's the Christ. And so the religious leaders said, yeah, we're not having that here. So we're, they cast him out of church. So out of that, by the way, cast out had a lot of implications. That means he was severed from community. It would be like if, if Marshall came up here today and said, Jace has broken so many laws. He has so sinned against our rules, and our regulations that we have set up in this church because he did this kind, generous. We just sang about a kind, generous, selfless God, right? He he actually showed mercy. Oh, shoot, it was on the Sabbath. We're not supposed to show mercy in the synagogue on the Sabbath. So he's out. Jace, and I'm going to tell all of you right now, Until Jace repents of this, no one is to speak with him. No one is to have lunch with him. No relationship until he repents. So this had huge consequences for the man that was cast out. He was actually cut off from community. So out of that context, we come into verse 1. So when the Bible was translated, it didn't have chapters and verses. So most scholars will say verse 1 is is coming out of that because when Jesus says truly, truly, when he says it twice, he's talking about what just happened. So we have to remember that when we hear his truly, trulys. So he begins the next discourse in verse 1, referring to the religious leaders who are casting people out over legalism and other situations. He actually calls them a thief and a robber. So that's kind of big. Like if we could transport ourselves back to this moment, this is a really, really big deal. Jesus is being scandalous to the religious people of his day, the people that were in charge of God's people. Jesus isn't happy that they cast him out. So he goes into this next little passage, verses 1 through 10, and he uses two metaphors, the shepherd and the sheep, the sheep know his voice, and I am the door to the sheepfold. And that's the metaphor we're going to just land on today. So when we when I when I think about I am the door and we all think about the door that he's the doorway in it's through Jesus that we come to salvation it's through Jesus that we come to have a this relationship that we just sang about to this wondrous God it's that's how we get there it is through Jesus so how do we get, how do we do that through Jesus it's through the cross The cross of Christ is the apex of history, of all human history, because of what it did. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What is the gospel? What is this good news? It's the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the apex of which is the cross. The metaphor of I am the door is about how the sheep will get in and out. And when they're outside the the shepherd is leading them and they find protection because the shepherd is leading them to keep them to the healthy water keep them away from the dis, you know the nasty waters he's leading them through places where they can get fed he's keeping them out of danger so he's he's offering them protection. And sometimes it's not all green pastures and flowing water. If you study the deserts in the, the uh, Middle East, some of them are very arid and rocky and, and thorny. And so shepherds had a, um, had a way of having to keep them safe. Okay. How many of you have any kind of background in Roman Catholicism? I grew up Catholic. Raise your hand, okay? How many of you maybe had another liturgical background? Like maybe it was Episcopalian. Okay, so a few more. Okay, so I, many of you have heard my story, and I'm not going to give you my whole story, but as a young child growing up in Catholic church, I went to 12 years of Catholic schools, but as a little girl, I grew up in a very unsafe, abusive atmosphere. So church from my earliest memories was my safe place. I love the church and you've heard me say that. And and the reason why is because I mean this was before school age that I have this memory of things were very bad at home but when we would go to mass and I would sit there and half the time I didn't even know cuz mass was in Latin back then. I wasn't even really sure what the words were, but there was something in the atmosphere but the thing that captured my heart was the cross of Christ. I'm going to show you a picture. That literally is, I found this picture. This is from the church I grew up in. And so when I would tell that story, because when I came out of the Catholic Church into Protestantism, I actually showed up in a Pentecostal church where they had me sort of renounce all of my Roman Catholicism. They said, you know, Catholics keep Jesus on the cross. We celebrate the resurrection, the power of the spirit. Well, guess what? So I kind of bought into that, but no more, no more. Because that picture... The reason that I met Jesus as a four-year-old little girl was because his body was on that cross, and I looked at it every Sunday. Every Sunday. I had no idea what else was going on, but I would look at that cross, and look at that body, his face. I mean, it's, it's, it's Jesus, his crown of thorns, and I would look, and somehow, somehow, the Holy Spirit conveyed to me he did that for me. So from a very young, young age, Jesus became my safe place. The cross of Christ became, that'll be the hill I will die on, and I will die on it. We all are going to die on it, whether we know it or not. So there's the truth. But here's really, I want to tell you something fun. Do you see like the priest in front of the altar there and behind him? That's called a, for those of you that aren't Catholic, that's called the tabernacle. That's where they keep the Eucharist. And in In Roman Catholicism, they have a really big word that means when you take Eucharist, the actual elements turn into the body and blood of Jesus, even though they keep their same elemental substance. So it's very sacred when we take communion, you're actually taking in the body and blood of Christ. And the priests would keep the Eucharist in that little tabernacle. So as a little girl, I thought that's where Jesus lived. (laughs) Even though he was on the cross, I knew he was resurrected and was sitting on the right hand of, but somehow in the mysterious, Thing of the Trinity, he could be on the throne and on the cross and in that little tabernacle all at the same time. So, I just did a little insight into how I think. Um, but the point of this is the cross of Christ impacted me before I had any understanding of what it meant, because that's the power of the cross. God accomplished so many things by having his son become incarnate, come to earth, leave heaven, come to earth and take on a human body, take on flesh and blood and bones and live a truly human life. Through Christ, God revealed the definitive truth about himself. He reconciled all things to himself. He forgave us and healed us from our sin-diseased natures, poured out his spirit upon us and empowered us to live in relation to this triune God. That's what God did through the cross. It gave us an example of what it looks like when we live in the kingdom under the rule and reign of God. Jesus showed us by his life like when we look at the, the things he did in his life, like the man being healed from being blind, what he's showing us is what it means to be truly human. So a lot of times in church, we get this mixed up notion that we're, we're, we just got to get more spiritual. We have to be more spiritual. We have to be more spiritual. And the truth is, that's a very Gnostic way of thinking, that thinking, the only thing that's important is the spiritual realm, because the truth is, Jesus taught us what it meant to be truly human. We actually are spiritual beings learning to be human on this earth. So I believe all the facets of Christ's work can be understood as aspects of most fundamental things Jesus came to accomplish, namely to defeat the devil and his minions. That's mainly what Jesus... I mean, when we look at the cross, you guys, I mean for some of you that are theology nerds, we can look at all the different um, theories of atonement. What, what does the cross actually mean? And really, there's so many. It means so much. I don't even think we've captured all that it means. And we can look at all the different theories and all of them have a place, but I believe the primary thing that happened was he defeated the devil and his minions and broke the curse. He came to overcome evil with love. According to the New Testament, the central thing Jesus did was drive out the prince of this world. He came to destroy the one who has the power over death. That is the devil. This isn't, I can't, I don't have time to read you all the scriptures, but you can look this up. Hebrews chapter two tells us, he came to destroy the one who has the power over death. That is the devil in order to free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. That's Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. Jesus lived, died, and rose again to establish a new reign. Taken away from what happened in the curse and fallen under the curse of the devil and his minions. This is a new reign that would ultimately put all his enemies under his feet. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So while the cosmic thief, and by the way, when we talk about the religious leaders and if we talk about, whenever we talk about the thieves and the robbers and we name them as people, false teachers, false prophets, all of that, we still have to remember these are not our enemies. These are our brothers and sisters, human beings, even though they may differ from us in belief, in the, whatever, they're still our brothers and sisters. When people get Um, caught up in doing evil things or propagating evil. What is behind that? What Paul tells us is not flesh and blood. That's not our enemy. It's the evil powers behind that are so angry because they know their time is up, that they're the ones that try to whisper in our ears, poison institutions, keep people in oppression, all of sin, disease, all of that. We have to always remember our brother is never our enemy. Flesh and we don't war against flesh and blood. We war against the powers that actually drive people, get access to people to do these evil things. Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public example of them, triumphing over them. Colossians 2.15. So in a word, Jesus came to end the cosmic war that had been raging from time immemorial and to set Satan's captives free. Can, Can we just say something to that? Come on. This is a really big deal. This is a really big deal. And we've said this before, and some of you probably heard this uh, analogy until you're sick of it, but it's kind of like being a prisoner of war. And when the war is over, you've been in this prisoner of war camp, and people come and they open it up and say, no, it's over, it's over, come out, come out and live. And they're like, no, 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 we don't believe it. No, we're staying here. Like it's it, That's what it's like when, for us. Like, Jesus, he did it all. The war has been won. The gates are open. We are supposed to receive. We don't build the kingdom. We don't advance the kingdom. We enter the kingdom and we receive the kingdom. God does all the building. He does all the advancing. What we do is we participate with him in what he is doing in this world. That's how the kingdom comes, by partnering with what God is doing Jesus died as our substitute. He bore our sin and guilt by voluntarily experiencing the full force of the rebel kingdom. We have all allowed to reign on this earth. All of us. Think Star Wars, Rogue One, Death Star, but anyway. To save us, he experienced the full consequences of sin that we would have otherwise experienced. When he was on that cross, he took on every, every sin of this world. He was brutalized. He took it all on. He absorbed it in his body, which is why at the very end he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did this for us, every single one of us. We can never, ever, ever take this for granted. So in doing so, he broke open the gates of hell. He destroyed the power of sin. He erased the law that stood against us and not being able to heal someone on the Sabbath. He erased it. He fulfilled it. He came and fulfilled that law. Now we're free to receive the Holy Spirit and to walk in right relationship with God. Christ did whatever it took to release us from slavery to the powers, and this he did by becoming incarnate. He chose, he voluntarily left heaven and came here as a human being. That would be like one of us choosing to leave our life and becoming an ant. How many of you want to sign up for that right now? Seriously, think about the God of the cosmos ruling the universes came as a, at this little baby that we saw, like a baby that had to depend on human beings to care for God. I just think we have to sit with this, you guys. We have to understand what our God has done. He became incarnate. He lived an outrageously loving life in defiance of the powers. He got in so much trouble all the time. But think, who did he get in trouble from? We have to remember this. He got in so much trouble. He, he lived an outrageously loving life in defiance of the powers, freeing people from the oppression of the devil through healings and exorcisms, teaching the way of self-sacrificial love, and most definitely by his sacrificial death and his victorious resurrection. So when we understand the cross, when we understand Calvary and its conquest of the devil as the culmination of Christ's whole ministry, it becomes apparent that Jesus wasn't only pushing back the kingdom of evil during his lifetime with his healing and exorcism ministry. Every aspect of Christ's life must be understood as an ultimate expression of the victory that the cross accomplished for every aspect of his life reflects this cross, this Calvary-like love, humility, service, connectedness to the Father. This morning, I wrote down these words when we were singing them. This is what we sang about God. So mighty, so holy, so wonderful, so selfless, so generous, so faithful, full of love, full of mercy. What is the goal of the Christian life? The goal of the Christian life is is to be transformed into Christ's likeness for the sake of others. So when I read these words about God, this is what we're aiming to be. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come and transform us so we can be mighty wherever you've called us to be mighty. So we will be holy the way you want us to be holy. How many of you you right now, raise your hand if you think people would say to you, you are wonderful. Come on, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Somebody thinks you're wonderful, even if you don't. I know somebody thinks you're wonderful. When Jesus broke religious taboos by hanging out with tax collectors, prostitutes, and other sinners, and when he forsook religious traditions to lovingly heal and free people on the Sabbath, as in our text today... In the light of the cross, we can understand him, that he was waging war against the powers and exposing systemic evil that fuels religious legalism and oppression. He was conquering evil with love. When Jesus boldly crossed racial lines, hanging out and speaking highly of Samaritans and Gentiles, and when he crossed other social barriers, hanging out with and touching lepers, for example, he was resisting and he was exposing powers of evil that fuel racism and social marginalization. He was conquering evil with love. Now, I want to tell you a story. Our son, Alex, he's 23, 22 now, um, when he was in like eight years old, he and his best friend Nate um, were went to a Christian school and it was Holy Week. And so I picked them up. I think it was on Good Friday. I picked them up and both the boys were in the back seat, and we're driving along. And I said, so they have chapel on Fridays. How is chapel? And they said, Well, this pastor, he came, and he taught us about the cross. But at the end, he yelled at us. And he said, and you all did this to Jesus. In other words, we're all sinners. All of us have a part in what happened on the cross. So they told me this. And then little Nate was in the back seat, and he said, I don't understand, because we weren't even there. It didn't make sense to them. Because they weren't even there. And I want to just tell you a little bit about our life. I was married, uh, I had a first marriage, and with that marriage I have two children that are half Pacific Islander. Rich and I have six grandchildren that are part African American. We have a Korean daughter-in-law. Eight years ago, we lost a son to cancer. He was married to a woman from Seoul, so we have two grandchildren that are half Asian. And I'm not here for one second to guess the motive of the shooter in Atlanta. But I think that we have to be really honest right now, church. We have a problem in our nation. We are divided. There is hate coming from every direction. And we have people of color that are afraid. Now, whether we can argue all the day long about if racism happened in Atlanta or any of the... I'm not here to argue that. What I'm telling you is my Korean daughter-in-law called me and said she's thinking about going back to Seoul because she doesn't feel safe in America any longer. This is the reality of our Asian brothers and sisters right now. Whether we think they have the right to that experience or not is not up to us. I'm just telling you the facts of how they feel. So as a, as a person who loves Jesus, I am called to love my brother and sister. And if they feel threatened and afraid, it's not up to me to tell them not to feel that way. It's up for me to reach across and say, I love you. I see you. I will stand with you if you ever, ever are in a place where you're experiencing an injustice. I will stand with you. So I just would like to pray right now. Because we are way too divided over these issues. And so Holy Spirit of God, King Jesus, who rules the cosmos, who broke the power of racism on your very cross. Lord Jesus, you did this. So I'm asking right now that for those of us that might not identify or think that people should be afraid, that, Lord, we would just stop. And we would just right now, in our own hearts, pray for anyone that feels fear right now in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our churches. And we ask that you will come, Lord, and you will bring peace, you will bring comfort, you will bring safety. And we ask, Prince of Peace, will you come and heal our divisions Will you grace our hearts to listen to one another? Will you break down the obstacles that the devil has been able to erect, to divide us, especially in our churches? God, we repent to having any part of being a part of those divisions. We say, we're sorry, Lord. We're sorry if in any way we've hardened our hearts and cannot hear the voice of those crying on the margins. So will you come, Lord, and grace us this day? Each of us, wherever we are in this this place, will you come and speak to every single heart right now, individually, and to us collectively as followers of Jesus? In the midst of an extremely patriarchal culture, Jesus treated women with dignity and respect. In light of the cross, we must understand him to be battling and exposing the powers that fuel sexism. He was conquering evil with love. And when Jesus expressed mercy to people who knew they deserved judgment, and whom the culture stipulated should be judged, think of Levi's party, think of the woman caught in adultery. He was resisting and exposing the powers that fuel social and religious cruelty and judgmentalism. Listen, when those little girls were dancing up here during worship, I cried. It's like, Lord, give us that childlike faith. Give us that their minds that don't see the world, that's skewed the way we all have, and for many of us, for good reasons, maybe. I don't know everybody's story, everybody's experience, but we have to come back to this place of having childlike faith and believing that this cross is a universal cross that broke the power of all this stuff, and we are... Simply supposed to step into it, enter it, and work with God to make things that are not right, right. That is the work of the kingdom. God is about redeeming this world, all of the fallenness of it. And so when God is at work doing something, we're, we're supposed to be the sons of Issachar, the 12 tribes of Israel. The sons of Issachar had the discernment. Their gift was to know the times. We need to know the times. I absolutely believe it all of my heart that we are living in a kairos moment in this time we are living through a hinge point of history where an old world is passing a new world is here and the people of god should be on the forefront of that because we should know the signs of the times so we need i i love that you pray pray every morning i love that it because that's how we discern But in prayer, spending time with God, letting the Spirit show us these and discern what what is our response to these things? What is the response of a follower of Jesus to these things? It was this ongoing resistance to the powers and the exposure of the powers and those who do their bidding. This what I'm saying, it's the powers. People get caught up and begin doing their bidding and sometimes they don't even know they're doing their bidding. They think they're doing what's right. I have no doubt in my mind that the Pharisees were not evil people. They literally believed they were doing the will of God. They were protecting these laws because this is what made God's people holy. So when Jesus showed up on the scene and said, wait, 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 you guys took this too far. I came to fulfill the law, so you heard that, but I tell you this, they got really mad. So one challenge I have for all of us, me too, is when you hear people being generous or inclusive, or I I should not use hot button words, I'm trying to really pick my words well here, Um, um, we should be discerning what is our response What is a response that crushes evil with love? Crushes evil. We need to raise up an army of spiritual warriors that will crush evil with love. The weapons of our warfare are prayer. You're doing it. They're faith. They're preaching the word, the gospel that is true. Jesus broke this stuff, you guys. We should be living this out. So our text ends today with the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who you have sent. I glorify you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence. This is what he came to do. The enemy steals, kills, and destroys. So I just, I just want us to stop for a moment and think about that. Where in your life, especially in this last year, Have you felt something has just been taken from you? What has the enemy stole from you in this last year? What dreams maybe got put to death? What things maybe got killed? What got destroyed? I cannot tell you, as a pastor in a region that oversees 50 churches, how many phone calls I have had in this last year with pastors weeping on the phone to me because their dreams were being destroyed, because their sheep were fighting over whether they should wear masks or not. People, this is not okay. This is not okay. It's not okay. So, how about you, though? What dreams from God? What desires in your heart? What has been destroyed? What good work has the enemy actually destroyed? Because that's all from the thief. Jesus came to give us life and give it abundantly. So, what's abundant life? Is it how much money you make? Is it what kind of house you live in? No. When we hear Jesus say, I came to give you life and give it, this means we can go through really hard times and we can be guided by the cross. We can be guided for sure. I can, we can lose a son to cancer. We can go through eight months of absolute excruciating hell watching a 36-year-old man die and come out the other side and say, Jesus, we love you. We don't understand this. But we were comforted by you, by the body of Christ. This is abundant life. Joy in the midst of suffering. This is abundant life. When we can celebrate and still have joy, even though all things are still completely out of whack, this is abundant life. The ability to access joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace, patience, self-control, which... I need a lot of that. I do. I I have to pray a lot for that one. But um, this is abundant life. The ability to live, no matter what the circumstances are happening in or around us, to live in peace. This is abundant life. This is part of being part of the sheepfold. So, Rich, I'm going to just like have you come up, and we're going to just go into a a ministry time, but really I just want to thank you guys for having us, I want, I just feel like this week before going into Holy Week, meditating on the cross what the cross has done what our God did for us by coming, sending his only son to be brutally maligned and killed in the most brutal execution he did that for us
1: thank you Rosa good word huh Wow I think whenever you speak of the cross you're speaking of a win it's a sign of death it's the gateway to life I want to remind each of us that that's the gateway for us as well God continually invites us to the foot of his cross to surrender to die to so many things to accept the life that comes from God. And we're going to, you know, Rose mentioned it, that we're just going to receive this kingdom. We don't build it. We don't bring it. We don't make it. He's here right now. The Holy Spirit is here. He's at home with those that might be watching In their houses right now. He's present with all of us. His kingdom is here. We receive the work of his kingdom. And so when we as venture folks, we invite the spirit to come, it isn't that he's not already here, but it's opening up our awareness to the fact that he is here and that his presence is active with us and among us. And so as we invite the Holy Spirit to come, I invite you to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to surrender to that presence and receive what you have for me today. So could you pray with me as we do that? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Rest upon each of us right now. Lord, we open our hearts receive your kingdom. Come, Lord. We open our hands as just even a sign of saying how open to receive we actually are. Come, Holy Spirit. We need the power of your presence and of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So I want to just share a few things as we're here in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just so you know, if you're new to this environment, we call it ministry time. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to come so he can minister to us what we need. He will. He's well aware of all of our lives and our stories. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Come, Lord. And uh, I don't know, is Wes, did you leave the room or are you in here somewhere? Uh-huh. In the balcony. There you are. Okay, I want to start with a couple of people I want to just give words to that I felt impressed to share, and before we have any more conversation, I'd rather do it now, because then I hear things that I don't want necessarily to necessarily hear. But I just want to encourage you to say that God moved you into this environment, it's Things have not obviously been what we all anticipated this past year to be, but he knew the timing of this situation. But I I I feel like it, that he's not done with your journey. This is another one of those stops along the way. This is another one of those uh, you know pictures where you're you're pulling into dock and you're learning things, you're gaining things, you're loading up and supplying because there there's another season that will come. And uh, you're going to take what you learned in this time frame uh, along with what you've learned in past time frames. You're going to take it forward to the next situation that you have. And when God will make it really clear when that comes and uh, the world will open up again. And when the world opened up again, he's going to invite you to to uh, join with him in what he's doing in other situations. So I just want to encourage you. Lord, bless. Uh, Wes and Irene, in the name of Jesus, with the purposes you have in their life for their ministry, their calling, and Lord, as they're learning right now, as they're they're gaining even more information and but actually more experience, Lord, for what you have for them, I bless them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Lane, I have a word for you. And. Uh, I feel like um, I want to pray for you that God will release in you again even more authority and clarity prophetically. I feel like you've been under assault for a number of years that has kind of tried to crush your spirit and who you are and kind of, I don't know, it's just like, it's just kind of... like biting at you from time to time and it's kind of hurt that flow and I just want to pray for a release again in the prophetic. I see you sitting at a table and writing notes to people and sending them to them or calling them or texting them or however you want to do it but I just see you sitting at a table and having revelatory understanding about people and sending them to them. And so Lord, I I bless Lane. I bless her calling prophetically, Lord. God, I ask you to come and to heal any wounds that have come to her that, that have tried to, to stifle and crush and silence. I, 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 don't, I feel like there's been an attempt from the enemy just to silence you. And uh, we break that off right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, re- release the prophetic gifts once again in her life and with even more authority and clarity and wisdom. Release it for this whole church, Lord. We need to hear the voice of the Spirit more than ever. As Rose was talking about it, we need to be on the forefront of saying, this is where God is going, this is where we're going because we're following him. Lord, I just ask that you'll bless and release that prophetic gifting in Lane's life. Heal, Lord, any wounds that she's had. In the name of Jesus. God is not done with you. I, I've got, I don't know if you've sat around wondering if, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. No, no, no. Oopah! Oopah! No more of that thinking in the name of Jesus. He is not done with you. He's not tabled you. He's not sidelined you. Lord, I pray for healing in Lane's body, Lord. In the name of Jesus we come against all this, the pain and the factors she's been dealing with, Father. I just ask you to heal in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Power in the presence of your Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heal, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. More, Lord, more of your presence right now, Father. More, Lord, more of your kingdom. Marshall I felt like uh, a couple of things with you i I just I feel like god 's going to increase authority in your life and he's been doing that been you've been in a learning curve for a number of years but he's going to release more authority in the, by the authority of the kingdom and the spirit to to um, to see healing and deliverance and prayer that 's effective and and that kind of authority, but also a more authority and recognition that other people are going to start to look to you, other leaders are going to look to you more and more. But I felt for the church, too, that this is going to change. This is not going to always be like it is right now. And when things open up in the world around us, you're going to find this church energized internationally when doors start to open. Something's going to happen where people are going to find opportunities to go to other countries again, and when and that this church is going to have a number of involvements around the world. And, uh, and so I just want to encourage that. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we, we pray for your hand upon uh, this church, the leaders, Marshall, his family, And, Lord, we pray for doors to open once again for uh, your kingdom and the word of your kingdom, the power of your kingdom to be spread through this congregation, through whatever opportunities that lie before them, God. Come, Lord. Lord, I ask you to, uh, to release more prophetic understanding for Marshall, Lord, as he ministers that he shares as he prays Lord open uh, his eyes to see what you see and to hear what you hear ask you to give him wisdom and grace and also boldness Lord to speak and declare what you give to him Lord come Lord Lord, we break off any kind of fatigue and that wants to just rob energy and the name of Jesus. Come, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Folks, it's been tough leading in this time. It's hard. It's hard, man. We, we deal with hundreds of churches, actually 50s specifically, but hundreds literally, And we talk to pastors constantly. The weight of this past year or so has been absolutely exhausting for them, their families, and all that they dream about and everything else. And and so, Lord, we just pray you just come and refresh Marshall and his whole family on the new energy and new hope and new faith and new vision. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know if this church has had in the past this kind of of a specific word about being particularly international or not, but I just feel like that's something that is here and is going to be. And if it it feels like it got crushed a long way or sidetracked on the way, it's going to come back in a bigger way than you can imagine. I just. I don't know do you guys have something from the past that's more specific that way I just really feel like this is something that's been on this church but it's going to open up yeah <laughs> So I, I presume that you have live streaming going on and there's people at home. And uh, for, if, for those that are at home, I, this is going to be normal, I uh, think, going forward for churches. Because we're developing a whole ministry outside of these buildings because of this. That's one of the, going to be one of the things God does out of this. The expanse of the ministry of this church is going to grow through this, not lessen. And it's something you're going to have to figure out how to continue to do because you're going to have people that don't live anywhere near here that are going to be refreshed by what you guys are doing. Even when all of the masks are gone, this is going to happen. But for those people that are at home right now, we pray the Holy Spirit's present. Be in your homes right now. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Put your hands out and say, I receive the work of your kingdom in the name of Jesus. There are people that need healing right now in their homes. In the name of Jesus, come and heal. Lord, you are not limited in any way. So, Lord, we know that you are present. God, touch their bodies and bring healing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I felt like, and Rose touched on this, but I just wanted to pray for those that have really experienced specific loss in this last year. Uh, has anybody lost loved ones during this past year? Could you raise your hand? I just feel like there's some folks here who have actually had people pass in this last year, and uh, that's been harder than other times. Uh, there's so many stories of people that were not able to go to hospitals and visit because of COVID and and all of that kind of thing. We've known people like that. we got somebody we care a lot about right now He's going to have brain surgery. A young man that has to have a tumor removed from his brain. It just came, and his his mother can't be there in the hospital with him. He's, what is he now, 30-something, right? 25. He's only 25. And they found he had a tumor. It's not COVID-related or anything, but... You know the whole health system has been affected by this. His mother can't be with him. I, I just want to pray for people who have had those kind of losses, and are just, and it's affected your ability to grieve those losses and that. So, Lord, we pray for those kind of situations. Lord, we ask you to come and comfort and and Lord, I. I I I give the opportunities to celebrate the lives that have been lost from all kinds of things. It isn't just COVID. I mean, we've had friends that have lost spouses because of heart failure and all those things have gone on this year. And they haven't grieved them. They haven't had celebrations of life. They haven't had family around them. Lord, we just pray for people that have felt losses like this, God. Bless them and be present to them. Allow them, God, to have opportunities to remember and to celebrate and to grieve. And all of those things that we need to do as, as your people, as humans, God. We bless that, Lord, and come to them and help them, enable them. to. Do all those rites of passage that have to happen. Come, Lord. If you have any kind of physical situation going on personally right now, I just feel like God's here to heal. And And if you'd like to raise your hand. Now, I want to share something real quick about the vineyard. One of the funny things early on with the Vineyard Movement was that we got known, this is starting out early, like in the late 70s when the Vineyard started, but the Vineyard kind of got known for people not actually laying hands on because they would put their hand out, you know, And I was talking to some people who were in Anaheim where this all kind of started and the power of the Holy Spirit was showing up, and and that was common. And they were laughing, and he says, well, the reason they were doing it is that they were meeting in a gymnasium in a school, and it was so hot, nobody wanted to get that close to put their hand on anybody. It was like 90, 100 degrees in Southern California in these buildings. And then that became the Vineyard Way. Well, who would have known that a pandemic was going to come and the safest thing we we'll do is to just put your hand towards somebody. <laughs> we're, now we're vogue. We're in. The vineyard is in for sure now because all you need to do is put your hand towards somebody. You don't have to even put it on them. That's a vineyard practice. So I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. If you have any kind of physical ailment going on, could you raise your hand right now and just let people pray for you? Right there's over here. Get close and... Respectful of all the issues involved, but just still praying. Anybody else need that there? Somebody there? Okay, I feel like there's somebody here that has problems with their feet. I don't know if it's plantar fasciitis or something. Is anybody dealing with that when you pain when you put your feet on the floor and you start walking? Raise your hand right now if that's you so we can find you. There is somebody. Uh, there's one right there, okay, uh, so Lord, we just ask you to come right now and begin to touch people physically with healing. Lord, when we pray for your kingdom to come, we're asking for everything to be made right here and now, as it will be in the future. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Again, for people that are at home, we just ask you to come and to touch them right now, Lord. I do think there's somebody at, at, at home right now that does actually have a circulation problem in your legs that uh, is causing, it causes pain. And so, Lord, we ask you to touch right now and heal in the name of Jesus. Let the circulation be free and the veins, the arteries to work properly. Come, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So, I'm not sure how you close out anything, but we like to just pray. And Sometimes when we pray, we take our time to pray. That's You know, it's not like one, two, three, it's over. Sometimes you just got to wait on the Holy Spirit and let him do some work. And so we encourage people to keep praying. But awesome.
2: Thank you so much, Rich. So this is what we do. It's what we do as a church. We we hang out in God's presence. And we believe that what was accomplished on the cross and uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, is, we still get to do the stuff, do all the stuff that Jesus did. And so we're just going to linger here for a little bit longer and, uh, and keep praying for a few people. Um, but if you need to go, uh, go in peace. And uh, we, our encouragement, don't rush off. Go get your kids. Feel free to linger and say hello to people we haven't seen for a while. Uh, if you're at home, we miss you. We hope that you have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, please get in touch with us if there's anything we can do to, to bless you or take care of you. Um, so let me just pray for you real quick. God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that you have deposited in this church this morning, that every Sunday you do something powerful, Lord, even when it feels small and incremental. We believe that it is you at work in our hearts and in our relationships and that you are equipping us for the purpose of being your witnesses out in our community. So we pray again, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill every single person in this room again with the power of the Holy Spirit. Every person who is watching online, fill them again with the power of the Holy Spirit and propel us out from this building to go and bear witness to the good news that Jesus has come and is coming again. We love you, Lord. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. All right. Thank you, my friends. Feel free to linger for a while. We're going to keep praying for a few more people. But go in peace, and we'll see you again soon.